Hey, I'm Frances Katzen and welcome to my podcast, The World of Real Estate. In this series, we will explore the world's largest asset class and how it plays out on a global scale. So I'm really excited to introduce Tracy Tudor, who's not only one of the top producing brokers in Los Angeles, but also the star and the woman on Million Dollar Listing LA. And thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? So I am born and raised in California, Southern California, specifically Los Angeles. I've kind of lived everywhere. I was raised in Hidden Hills, which... You know, the only tagline there is really that's what the Kardashians are now based. So people know it. People know it that way. But when I was living there, it was kind of this gated little community with horses in your backyard. And really? Stop. And it was a really charming place to grow up, a little bit outside of L.A. and like the hustle and bustle of Beverly Hills. And then, of course, I graduated from high school and I ended up at undergrad at USC and, and never really left. You know, so I became you- an actress. I studied theater. And so leaving L.A. post-college when I was trying to act was not really the thing to do. So you graduated from USC with a degree in theater arts. I would imagine, just like real estate, it's an incredibly competitive industry. Can you tell us a little bit about, or tell me a little bit about what that journey was like? Talk about narcissism on a stick. Wow. I mean, by the way, you know both failed actors end up in real estate. (laughs) (laughs) Or retired ballet dancers. Take your pick. I know. I know. I graduated. I was like 21 years old. And I, you know... I I felt like I needed to be out there hustling like every other actor. And despite the fact that I had a degree from a university and obviously the ability to get a nine to five job, I didn't do that. I started waiting tables because I felt like I had to put that time and effort and sort of grit into being the struggling actor. How long did you do that for? Too long, Fran. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a claim to fame in that process? Oh, honey, I worked at J-Lo's Salsa Bar as a cocktail waitress. I had to wear a salsa dress. And finally, they looked at me one day and they were like, listen, honey, we like you a lot. You can't carry a martini across that dance floor to save your life. We're moving you into the VIP hosting area. So, I mean, I I worked at everywhere from like frozen drink places to, you know, salsa bars. I did everything that I could until I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, well, I can't exactly equate, you know, the struggle of being a waiter, which I think everybody should do at least once in their life to have the respect for like people that work in the service industry. I hear you. I did it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like once you do that, you just, you have a respect for people that do what we do and you know from waiting tables to being a real estate agent like we all are in this to service a client so I realized that it I, what that didn't make me an actress and so I started actually working at my dad's office and a girlfriend of mine called me one day and she had like hit it big with a big pilot and I'd known her since I was you know four and I was like are you just like super stoked and isn't this like freaking awesome that you're like on like this hit show and she was like actually it's you know it's not quite like you know theater where you get to be creative and you know you're embedded in this like this space where everybody is free to be and she's like it's very political and the bureaucracy of studios and I was like what 
what do you mean? And it just kind of hit me in that moment. I've been struggling to like do this thing that, you know, she sort of rained on my parade. And it was at that time that I started reconsidering if I really wanted to like stick it out and potentially never make it. But isn't it ironic now you're on a TV show? You know, yeah, and you're being a you. Circle moment. <laughs> I mean, I think I was like that actress that was like, I didn't really fit in like the pretty girl box, but I also wasn't like, you know, the comedian. And so I never really felt like in my early 20s, like I fit in anywhere. So I was like, you know, what are the chances? And obviously I was a lot less secure in, you know, who I was at that time in my life. I was 21 years old, you know, and now, you know, I'm you know, 44 and I'm on a TV show. Better than ever. So you're a top broker with Douglas Elliman. You're a longtime producer in the business, a television star now, and not least, a mom of two beautiful daughters. How do you do it all? People always want to know that. And I do too. As, as that, To me, people always ask, how do you do it all? And I always say the juggle is real. Can you speak to that a bit? The juggle is totally real. And I mean, if you saw the color coding on my calendar, <laughs> everything is down to the hour, including like carving out time for the girls, which is, you know, right now they're at that age where they're independent enough to where they're in school most of the day. They come home, they have homework to do. They respect what I'm doing as a single mom and, and a real estate agent and someone that actually has to put food on the table. And these are conversations I have with them all the time. So when sometimes I have them with me because, you know, Jason and I share custody, Sometimes I don't get home until 7, 7.30. Yeah, and, yeah know, it's tough. They usually finish their homework, and, you know, we find something to do together, whether it be, you know, going out to dinner for sushi or watching The Bachelor and commenting, you know, <laughs> how tacky and awful it is. That's, like, our time together, and um, we just keep the dialogue open. I'm not perfect. It does. Honey, no one is. Like, I know. And people love to make it as if they're all so buttoned up. But the truth of the matter is life is gray. It's all about the gray, in my opinion. Of course. And it's like that's just something that I feel like at this point in my life, I'm not going to put on a show like I'm the perfect mom. Thank God. Perfect agent. You know, I'm kind of doing everything. If everybody claims they're doing it at 100 percent, they're not. Yeah. And yeah. I'd rather be authentic about that so that, you know, people relate. Yep. And understand that, yep. like, I make mistakes. Sometimes I choose my kids over my job, and sometimes I choose the job over the kids. Yep. That's yep. all about, it's all choices. Yes, and that is the juggle. I mean, I'm a mom of two, as you know, and after our newest edition, Oliver, last year, I felt immense pressure to bounce back quickly following my pregnancy. You know, what is it like being a woman and a mom in the industry? It's a real dynamic, isn't it? Well, it is. But you know what's so funny about it is now that I'm doing the show, I struggle with that less than I did prior to it. And maybe that's because, you know, the impression and, you know, the character that I am on the show, which is relatively authentic to my real self, as you know. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, when I had a five-year-old and a three-year-old, you know, that was really a time where people were like, she can't possibly, you know, take care of my listing and her children at the same time. I mean, how uh-huh. do you do it? And uh-huh. like, you know, I do it just like everybody else does it. You, you, you make it work. And that's like me personally, that's what I want in my real estate agent. I want someone that's like a hustler that can, you know, 
look at their entire life and go, I do six things relatively well and not one thing really well. And I think that that's limiting in life. And I think like those agents that are out there and they work seven days a week, 22 hours a day, are not going to be able to sleep at night and wake up feeling fulfilled. And I think that's really what life is all about. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think when people ask me, I'm actually surprised when I was pregnant, I had a lot of business that I thought I would lose. And I was very impressed by the solidarity of these clients who basically said, no, get it done. I trust you. And we did. I looked like the size of a truck, but we got it done. You know, there were days that I couldn't do it all. And I was very clear about that. I said, this is my partner. They may do more of the day to day because I will be the negotiator and the positioning specialist, but I will get it done. And that really meant a lot to me. And there were times where I didn't, you know. You built a business and have done an incredible job of building a reputation in one of like the most important real estate cities in the world. So, you know, once, and it takes a long time and maybe longer for a woman than a man. I'm not sure. But That's it takes interesting. a long time to develop credibility yeah. in this industry to where people can look at you and see you pregnant and go, I, I've worked with her. I know her reputation. I trust that she's not going to put me with some nitwit <laughs> that's going to handle the day to day. And, and that's a really nice thing to be able to say about your clients. I can't say that about all of mine. <laughs> I can say that about a pretty decent handful of them. Yeah. You know, you're from a multi-generational real estate family, which I didn't realize too much later when we got to know each other, with your father and his father before him. How has that had an impact on your learning and career? I mean, I think my dad is obviously where I get a little bit of my grit and my knack for being able to deal with sort of gruff men in high-powered positions. <laughs> I don't get intimidated. I don't get intimidated easily because I was raised by a massive public works contractor who was an Armenian, whose <laughs> father was an immigrant. So, wow. Like, they're hustlers. Wow, Yeah. When I come up against an Armenian developer in Beverly Hills or a Persian or someone in that same sort of category, I immediately am like, they have no idea where I get this. And it's because I have that sort of grit that my dad raised me with being an Armenian. And I think that that plays a big role in me not, you know. Being, being a wallflower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I always say to them out of the gate, if you realize I'm half Armenian, like you can only speak so much around me before I'm going to pick up on what you're putting down. So, <laughs> so you're... <laughs> Yeah, but I've heard you can hold your own very easily. So do your daughters have an interest in real estate yet? And do you think they'll carry the torch, you know, uh, since the kids are around 10? I, I mean, do. Yeah. I do. I mean, Scarlett's 11 and Juliet's 14. And I think that they both look up to what I do and that, you know, I'm not sitting in an office in front of a computer from 9 to 5. I work really, really hard, but every day is different, and that's kind of exciting for them. Yeah, so, that's what I love you know, about what it. They, mm -hmm. What they've seen on the show and the few times, I brought Scarlett with me to a Douglas Elliman weekend event where she was with me with a bunch of brokers, and that's my 11-year-old. She was <laughs> fascinated, and put her in a room. I mean, that kid can hold her own. I mean, she was talking. She had, like, five guys surrounding her thinking she was just, you know, the best, and I'm like, this kid's got it. She's you know? pretty impressive, Tracy. She's yeah. pretty impressive. Means you've done well. So now we're going to transition because I kind of want to get your take right now on the local markets. Can you tell me what you're seeing going on right now in L.A.? 
you know, it's interesting. LA's prices are better than they've ever been. We're seeing things sitting a little bit longer, but in terms of what actually is trading and the final numbers, we're still up. I think the challenges in the media and the national media particularly, you know, we're looking at some of these big listings for $250 million or $150 million or like mine in Malibu, it was $100 million. Jesus. Just because we put these crazy list prices on it doesn't that's, mean that's the value, nor does it mean that's where it should trade. I think, we, you know, L.A. has seen some pretty big trades. Yeah, Lachlan Murdoch's trade last year of $150 million was the, the, the wow. And then we had Jeff Bezos's insane pricing of Geffen's house with no broker involved at $165 million. Yeah, unbelievable. So, <laughs> you know, you see these numbers and we're still... Normally, L.A. follows the New York market, and I'm still waiting for that, you know, to happen, and it hasn't, and we've seen really good numbers. We're just seeing things sit on the market a little bit longer because I think price adjustments and a seller's idea of what they think the values of their homes are have, have gone up too significantly, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the real market. So when we're talking to our clients about, you know, hey, this is what's happening in your neighborhood, and they're like, well, so-and-so's house is on the <laughs> yes. market for $65 million. Uh, but it's not going to trade at $65 million. So that, that has no relevance. So in, there's, you can ask you know, whatever you want. Yeah. So that, it's really just interpreting, you know, the market and, and where it's at once something is sold and really educating our clients about that versus opening up the paper and seeing that Jeff Bezos did a deal for $165 million and all of a sudden you think your home is worth 20% more than it is. <laughs> Yep, I hear you. In New York, I'm seeing strong international investment from Brazil, still from China, believe it or not. Are you seeing some of the same in L.A. right now? We do have some some China money that is coming in, but because they put such strong restrictions, there have been, I would say, of our clients from last year to this year, we probably had four strong Chinese buyers trying to come into Mm -hmm. the L.A. market. Three of the four of them weren't able to transact. And, you know... Because they couldn't get the money out? Money, no. And people are trying to move money out through Dubai and Australia, and now there are restrictions on that as well. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the buyers have become a little bit more conservative unless they already have their money in the U.S. and have a history of having money in real estate investments here. They're not transacting as much as, you know, they did call it five years ago, 10 years ago. Wow. That's very interesting. You've also been an integral part of Douglas Elliman's sports and entertainment division. Can you share a little bit with me about the division and the advancements you have made here? I'm from Los Angeles. I mean, we are sort of the biggest entertainment state to be. So naturally, you know, call it 50 to 70 percent of my business year to year is going to be working in some facet of the entertainment space. And, you know, now we're seeing an influx of tech in Los Angeles, which is really exciting and obviously some bigger trades because of that. But, of course, when you're attached to Hollywood and you're invested there, it, you know, it, it's part of the makeup of my business. So I pay a ton of attention to that. It's interesting being a little bit in the public eye and the media wanting to obviously know what celebrities are constantly buying and how they're transacting in L.A., and I'm sure the same goes for New York, but... It's always a catch-22 to talk about it, you know? Most of these 
people you can't talk about. No. So, you know, I have I have a ton of clients that, you know, we're quietly doing transactions and we put it to bed and I wish I could utilize it to further my own business. But the truth is the reason they keep coming to me is because they don't, which is interesting being on a show like Million Dollar Listing. And fortunately, being on that show has not hurt my private relationships because I don't even, there's not even a question when I come in for a meeting or walk into the room that I don't even bring it up. You know, that's very interesting because I think part of the concern for, you know, the finance and tech is that they are exquisitely sensitive to their privacy. And there's always a conflict of interest when you see these shows where they are basically branding the broker with the affiliation of the celebrity or the celebrity client. And most of these people want nothing to do with that. So it's amazing that you've been able to create a church and state, if you will, surrounding that. Well, you know what's interesting is I think tech is even more challenging than entertainment. I think that there's a level of understanding when you're working with an actor or a musician or a producer, writer, that's been Hollywood for 20 years. Everybody kind of knows, you know, if we say we're not going to talk about it in the media, we're not going to talk about it in the media. But they also know that it's going to get out there somehow and it won't be because of me. But in the tech world, they're not exposed to Hollywood as much as, you know, the actors are. And so the paparazzi aren't following them around and asking questions and peering into their private lives as much. So I think the expectation for them is even higher than working with some, you know, celebrities in Hollywood. Interesting. I know this sounds kind of schmaltzy, but here goes. What do you find the most rewarding about brokerage? <laughs> and you can be very superficial about that response, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still say that, you know, there's two things that really excite me. I like to pitch. I like walking into a room and winning that room over. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm the underdog. That's when I prefer it. Yeah, me when too. I, mm-hmm. When I do win, and I don't win everything, and I think the losses are also important, but when I do win, I have an enormous sense of satisfaction, and, and that's, like, incredibly rewarding to me. And, of course, the other thing I would say is I think this business is full of a lot of really interesting people, and some of the, the friendships that I've made and, the, and you know, everybody says it's a dog-eat-dog world and we'd all step on each other's heads to get to another client. And I just never really lived by that. I think we're all in this together. And in order to really put deals together, we have to be able to have camaraderie among, you know, brokers. And that's a big piece of my business. And I really believe in that. But screw me once. Same on you, screw me twice, I will take you down. Yeah, I kind of subscribe to the same idea. I think that you create what you want. You don't have to make it that, but there are times where you go, okay, I've learned my lesson with that one. Check, got it. Right. Noted. Right. Note to self. <laughs> There's a, a, bill, a list that I've been building over the course of 20 years. <laughs> my toilet paper roll matches yours, Tracy. <laughs> What are one or two of the biggest lessons you've learned about the business since you've been in real estate? Well, I just learned this one um, (laughs) very recently. And it's probably a lesson I've been learning since I started the business. And I think it just finally hit me um, with this most previous client. And it was a really large client with several listings and a lot of money on the line for me. And I think you really have to tell yourself as an agent, is this worth my health, my lifestyle? (laughs) And is this 
commission that I am potentially going to be paid over the course of call the next two to five years of working with this client worth it to me. And, you know, recently I've just walked away from something that when it was all said and done, I felt so much lighter. And I think truthfully, the next day my phone was ringing more and, and I don't know, you know, call it universe speaking to you or whatever. Yep. But definitely walking away from, you know, something that is negative. Abusive. Um, Go on. You can say it. For the money. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Oh, yeah. And it's the biggest struggle I have had because I do want to win, and I am hungry for that, and I like the paycheck a lot. But I think in my, you know, older years, (laughs) I recognize that it's not worth it. It's It's just there's so much brain damage that goes into it. And the amount of negative response is so corrosive on the soul that by the end, you're like, I'm not ready for that one again. (laughs) You have to learn how to compartmentalize. And there's certain clients that are really freaking tough. And you're able to walk away and compartmentalize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there are certain people that just ooze their way into every piece of your life, (laughs) morning, noon, and night. And it just finally gets to the point where you can't shake it off. And that's when it's like, okay, I got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hardest thing for me is walking away when it's not healthy because I'm such a fighter and I'm such a survivor that it's not in my DNA to give up. And you have to know that sometimes giving up is not giving up. It's actually saying, I don't need to be going into that space for the commission. It's okay. Do you have any huge, amazing listings coming up that you want to talk about? Well, I just launched two weeks ago a listing in Homey Hills that I'm a huge fan of. It's on Mapleton Drive, which is probably one of the best streets in Homey Hills. It's a beautiful traditional. We're priced at $38 million, 500 and I've had some really fantastic showings on it. And so I'm very excited about that one. And Congratulations. I've got something else coming up for 65, knock on wood. We're, we're working on that paperwork now. I can't really talk about it. Okay. And then, you know what? At the end of the day, what's closing and what is, and I think everybody understands this, is these big listings are really nice to have. And building your business is important and trying to get to that level of success. I have a massive amount of respect for people that do, but it is the smaller deals that people don't think I want to take. And I just launched something today for two million one fifty in Sherman Oaks, and I love that fucking listing because I'm going to close it in thirty days. And That's I'm right. Yeah, I think there's this misconception. No. Yeah. Because you're a hustler and you're a survivor, so you take all of it. And there's no ego about it either. I think that I used to listen to brokers that say I only do high-end listings. I'm like, really? I want to eat. So I'm going to do all the listings under 500000 and I did 30 of them in my first year. And I was happy with that, and I still do. People think, you know, when you hit a certain point in your business that you don't really want to take the little people. But actually, those little people are very meaningful, and they are a growing business. So I don't knock it. No, I had a client call me the other day that I worked with 10 years ago on a project and he said, hey, what are you up to? And let's catch up. And I have this listing that's been on the market for a little bit. And I just think you might be a better fit for it. But I know that you just, you know, your business has grown so much in the last 10 years. I just think it's a little bit beneath you and I hope you're not offended. And I was (laughs) like, excuse me, offended. Like, this is my bread and butter. Yes. Put food on my kid's table. And this is actually, believe it or not, the listings I'm going to actually show up and show and make sure that yeah. you're, 
you know, getting the best possible number for you and closing it as quickly as we can. Yeah, you know, I think you're sort of doomed if you do and doomed if you don't. When you hit a certain threshold, people think that you're not going to be focused on the properties below a certain price point. And I, I say the same thing, you know, it's the bread and butter and this is my standard. This is what I want. So you're the star of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing in LA. Can you tell us a little bit about, because I know people are going to ask, how you ultimately got the role and how it shaped your business? I appeared on season nine. I was showing a Chinese buyer one of Josh Altman's listings in the Bird Street. And I walked in and Josh and I have a great relationship. And obviously we're both at Douglas Elliman and we have a really good banter. And I love to give him shit because his ego is the size of like the <laughs> continent of Africa. So, <laughs> so I was showing my client, my client ended up liking the property and was potentially considering writing an offer. And Josh was like, I think they really enjoyed us on camera together. Would you be willing to appear on it again, you know, potentially presenting this offer? And I said, Sure. And so we had, we did a couple of scenes on the show together and it ended up being like a great episode. And so after the show aired, the producers reached out to me and said, you know, would you be interested in coming in and having a discussion with us about being, you know, the first female cast member? I mean, Heather is on the show, obviously, and there have been other women, but the first featured yeah. member mm -hmm. to appear on the show. And, and I was nervous, but after discussions, with them and obviously entrusting Josh to kind of give me some insight on what it's been like for him, I took it. Wow. And it's shaped your business positively, correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it exposes a lot about, you know, your life, less about your personal life than other reality television shows, but obviously you have to be very comfortable with being authentic and otherwise it's just not going to connect. And what about your children? Did you have an issue with that? It was challenging the first year. I think being the only woman on the show, I saw some business come from it. And I was a little disenchanted and I was worried that I had exposed myself and perhaps it's not going to reap the benefits of the business. But, you know, slowly but surely, I think fans live to like hate you when they meet you and then they grow to love you. And it's like anything, you know, I always say some of my best friends that I have now for 20 years when I first met them, I thought they were bitches. <laughs> but that's always how it starts, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So, you know, as far as what it's done for me in a business sense, it's delivered me great leads. I obviously have to close those leads. So, you know, the buck doesn't stop there. It's not like it's just raining, you know, paycheck. Yeah. But it's been positive for my business in terms of, you know, elevating it to the next level. So I'd be admiss not to at least ask, can you share a teaser on what we can expect to see in the upcoming season of Million Dollar Listing LA? Oh, I mean, there will always be a little bit of drama between all of the agents on the show. You know, we're competing in the same market. <laughs> so there's a few things that we'll go up against each other on. I can wow. see that. Uh -huh. That's certainly fun to watch. <laughs> but ultimately, I think we're all growing up a little bit, too. So some of these guys have been on the show for a really long time. And now, you know, it's like Josh has the struggle of having two young kids on the show and a wife. And yeah. It married Bobby, and they've been in construction for like 10 years. <laughs> you know, everybody has their own things, including, you know, the Bond Street boys having kids and dealing with their own families and me going through a divorce. So it's like the culmination of all of those things this season. And, you know, for me personally, you see me move on with my life and start a new chapter. What would you say is your biggest vice? Tequila. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. You know the answer to that question. <laughs> I like tequila too. It's good. After a long day with a difficult client, sometimes. Neat on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank you for your honesty, your time, and for making yourself so vulnerable on this show and just saying it how it is. Thank you very much for your time. I really mean it. I absolutely adore you, and getting to know you in the last year has been a really great joy for me. So Very thanks sweet. for having me on. I adore you. You are an impressive woman. I think people think that it's just blonde bombshell, but you're one of the few women I've met who puts it out there on the line, doesn't give a shit what people think. And at the end of the day, by doing that, you've just become an empowered person for people to relate to, and it's a really, it's really cool to watch. Wow, thank you for that. You know I love the underdog. You and I both, honey. Thank you for tuning in to the world of real estate. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with my latest episodes. 